my blog is 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 in the training data. So does that mean that I own absolutely every output from ChatGPT? I think that's ridiculous. Sorry to use that word, but um, to think of that is it, to think of copyright like any granular, tiny speck of information that went into into the training of an input means that you own that output i think that's ridiculous to me there that means there are billions of authors for every single chat gpt or entry hello and welcome to this podcast today it's my pleasure to welcome dr andres guadamus also known as technolama on social media Andres is a reader in intellectual property law at the University of Sussex. He is also the editor-in-chief of the Journal of World Intellectual Property. His main research areas are on artificial intelligence and copyright, open licensing, cryptocurrencies, and smart contracts. He has written two books and over 40 articles and book chapters, and also blogs regularly about different technology regulation topics notably on his Technolama blog. So, Andres, my biggest challenge in preparing this podcast was to select one article you wrote about AI to highlight. Um, and I basically abandoned uh, and decided to pick your brain on a couple of them. Um, the first one I wanted to discuss is a March blog post called Openness, AI and the Changing Creative Landscape. And you explain in that blog post how a short animation was created using AI open source tools, and the various reactions to that creation. And I was specifically interested in your statement that, and I'm going to quote you, copyright will survive, but for many people it is irrelevant, and new business models will rise up to meet the demands of a different type of creative process. AI is just a part of a trend that has been changing creativity. At the center of it is a new generation of content creators. So what did you mean by that? Um, thanks very much. Uh, firstly, thanks for the invitation, but also thanks for picking that article. It's one of my favorites uh, from last year. So I'm glad that people have uh, enjoyed it as well. So the, perhaps a little bit of context um, on this video, but also what has happened after, because uh, this uh, uh, the creators that, that made this, this AI video actually created a second part. So the context is that there are these uh, VFX, this um, vir virtual, I mean, visual effects people in Los Angeles, they're based in Los Angeles. And they're very much social media, millennials, sort of like late millennials, late thirties type, type of people, very, very social media aware. And they have been, creating stuff um, on YouTube, putting out videos on YouTube, they, they go viral quite a lot because the, their content is pretty pretty good. The, the interesting thing is that these people already were placing themselves outside of the, let's call it the copyright economy. They're creators, they're fantastic at what they do, but they don't work for Marvel, they don't work for Disney, they could be making lots of money working for those. Uh, but they're making things for fun sometimes, and um they have a subscription model so they don't care who copies their work um they uh, people um, subscribe um, 
to, to their website. So uh, they have extras for the people who subscribe. It's, it's, it's a typical freemium model, you know, you rely on subscriptions, you provide people with a little bit of a, an extra for, for your subscribers. And then after a while you release it. It's the Patreon system. It's, it, 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 is, it is a system, but this, the interesting thing is that this does not rely on copyright, like the old industries. So they don't care. They actually, for them, uh, it's better if things get copied, get reproduced a lot and get shared by everyone, because the whole point is for them to get viral. So more people look at their videos. So um, more subscribers. So what happened was very interesting. They released this video. They made a fantastic. I, 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 it's it's perhaps it's because I really I, I knew the references. Uh, I I used to be an anime. I still like anime quite a lot, but specifically the ones that they were referencing uh, an anime called the Vampire Hunter D uh, from 1999 2000 something like that. Uh, it has a very specific look. So they used this to train an AI in order to make an anime themselves. And the story is a, bit of, a little bit stupid, is people fighting using an, a, a rock, paper, scissors. It's preposterous, but that's the whole point. It went viral. Um, and uh, it went viral in two ways. Uh, in a bad way, some the people who are generally anti-AI say, this is dreadful, this is terrible, you're killing artists, you're, uh, you're killing creators, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and but also the general public just started liking it and and, and creators on youtube other and other social media people saying this is fantastic this is really silly this is funny and apparently this this um despite the backlash um they made so many subscriptions from this that I, they actually made a second part so what i meant is that there is this entire um economy that is surging and it's not just youtube it's a it's a, a lot of creators that they don't care at all about who copies their work for them actually copyright tends to be a little bit more of an annoyance that uh, their video is going to be demonetized let's say on youtube or so we have generations of people who do not watch tv do not watch movies um, I, I, I i've been watching some streams um for example, Twitch streams where people are saying, I haven't seen a, a TV program in, in years. So there is, a, there, there is this, obviously there are people who still watch Marvel, Disney, uh, Star Wars. They go to movies to watch Oppenheimer or Barbie strike or uh, as appropriate. But there is also a very sizable economy growing that does not rely at, at all on this. These are small, time creators that live through sponsorships, live through pay Patreon or any other subscription systems. So it is quite interesting that we're starting to see this. And it's been a while around for a while, but AI is actually making it easier for these small time creators to create quality content. So it's going to be animations. It could be potentially music. It's going to be all sorts of things. Um, so what we're starting to see is enabling more creators to do stuff. So that's that's sort of what I meant in this uh, in this blog post. I hope that explains it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I think I absolutely see the point that 
through AI, things that were very difficult and, and required a lot of technical knowledge or, or a lot of money, basically, are now, you know, at, at, at the, um, can be done by you, me, using those, those AI tools. Well, maybe not me, but you. <laughs> and, and as you said, you can create animations that are of high quality where that before you were, you know, you were doing memes. <laughs> Basically, that was your biggest creativity moment. Yes, exactly. Um, and and it, it's interesting, as you said, that there is this copyright generation and there is this non-copyright generation, uh, and, and they're both coexisting at the moment, but sometimes there's a bit of friction mm -hmm. between them. Um, so let's switch to a more recent uh, blog post uh, from July. Uh, you were busy during the summer. Uh, and in July, you shared some of your artificial intelligence parodies as a teaser. Uh, and it was a teaser for your AI liability article, a very uh, academic, scholarly article, uh, which gives an in-depth analysis uh, that you started at the beginning of the year and that you're revising, if I understood correctly, in light of the feedback you're receiving from fellow academics and other people. And the full title, title sorry, of that really big article is uh, A Scanner Darkly, Copyright Liability and Exceptions in Artificial Intelligence inputs and outputs. It's quite a mouthful. <laughs> but what I really like about your approach is the end of that uh, headline, because you surgically separate the issues related to inputs and outputs of AI. And you do that to raise and to answer two key questions. So looking at the first question, the one that addresses the input perspective, uh, what, what people would refer to as the training, the testing data that is fed into AI. Um, the key question that you identify there is, does the act of ac accessing, reading, analyzing, and mining data constitute a copyright infringement? And if so, uh, are there any applicable defenses by the AI platforms, let's say, um, and I think that's that's a big question. That's a question that's driving a lot of uh, court cases at the moment, especially in the States, but even beyond. So what's your take? Oof, uh, how much time do we have? So um, generally speaking, um, I try to, uh, as you mentioned, to try to dissect the, the question to the inputs and outputs. So with inputs, what we're seeing is that in order to train all of these tools that we're using from DALI to ChatGPT, BART, um, potentially Imogen and all of the other uh, applications, um, we need large amount of data. So um, what happens is um, that data, the best source of that data is the internet. So the question is, Quite, I, I think actually from the inputs is quite simple. Um, are companies making copies? Um, yes, there is that, that no question whatsoever. So um, are those copies um, uh, legitimate, not illegitimate? It depends. So sometimes they're using public domain works, they're using works that are uh, available uh, under some rights reserved licenses like Creative Commons or using software that is under uh, open source software license, et cetera, et cetera. So you can use that 
and also um, potentially there could be uses that are not permitted, not permitted, but the, the authors of those works haven't allowed their works to be um, uh, to be used to be in the training. So, if there is any copying that is not authorized, my question is: Okay, let's assume that is the case. It is the case. So I go through a little bit of the technology, technical issues, and then eventually I try to ask the question: Okay, are there any defenses, or are these companies going to end up paying billions and billions of dollars um, in damages? The answer, the true answer, is we don't know. So. I have a few ideas. Um, we'll have to decide for some of these cases to come out. So nobody, if anyone tells you that they know what's going to happen, they're lying to you. Uh, I always repeat this. So I, I, I can give you my opinion. I may be wrong. I always stress this. Um, so I think that under some circumstances, some of these actions could fall under some existing exceptions and limitations. Um, Potentially, it, it really depends, but um, I think um, some companies could be doing what they're doing is a temporary copy or a transient copy. So the copy works, but they just copy them for a while. They don't need them after after the model is trained. So they, bring, they, they remove them. If they need to go back to them, they will they, they can download them again and create another copy. So that is the first, um, because what's happening is um, they make a copy and then extract information, extract data that allows uh, the generative AI to work. So that is potentially one. Mm, we don't know. Uh, we have no idea. Uh, this hasn't been tested. So uh, that is the first one. Uh, the US cases are going to rest on this, I think, specifically on this question. Um, so in all, there are other defenses, which is potentially text and data mining. In Europe, there are two exceptions, one for scientific purposes and the other one for everything else, as long as the rights holder hasn't made a, a reservation of their rights. So pretty much it's an opt-out system. Um, so that is in Europe and in the UK, it's scientific research, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a little bit, what we need right now is a lot of case law. So hopefully that's that's eventually going to happen. So that is from the inputs. Now, <laughs> yeah, um, from the outputs, um, it, it's it's a little bit compli more complicated because um, there are two, camps and i think that the two camps are talking different a different language um some people think that everything that is created with generative ai is a derivative of all the inputs so whenever i write something on chat gpt even if i'm asking please write a, a, a poem based on shakespeare that even though shakespeare is in the public domain and um, there are people who say well this was trained with billions and billions and billions of, war of words from content creators, from copyright holders. So every single thing that is created by ChatGPT is a derivative work of those works. I am in the training data. Uh, my blog is, uh, is, is in the training data. So does that mean that I own absolutely every output from ChatGPT? I think that's ridiculous. 
sorry to use that word, but um, to think of that is it, to think of copyright like any granular, tiny speck of inf information that went into, into the training of an input means that you own that output. I think that's ridiculous to me. There, that means there are billions of authors for every single ChatGPT or entry. So that is the first um, problem that I have with that idea. Um, the second one is um, that if that is not the case, then potentially there could be infringement. Um, I have seen some outputs that look like some works. Um, you can specify like, please make me a Batman or I don't know, uh, Superman and the Pikachu and uh, the AI will actually make a very good Pikachu or a Batman or, or a Superman. Um, or are those works infringing? Uh, that we enter into another exception and limitation. So potentially in the US it could be transformative use. It would be fair use on the transformative use. I'm sorry I'm talking too much, but hopefully I'm, uh, it's a complicated uh, issue. And um, in Europe in general, we have um, a, a, an exception that is increasingly relevant, and it's called pastiche, which is our version of, of, of uh, derivative rights, or, or tr sorry, transformative rights. Um, so pretty much uh, if, I, if you take a work uh, even if you're copying it and incorporating it into your work, if you're transform it, uh, transforming it enough um, that it, it, you recognize the original, but you are transforming it um, in a way that is uh, a call out to the original, uh, it may not be infringing copyright. So uh, we were starting to see case law in this. There is a, a, a recent case in, in Germany that was very interesting. It looks at um, a painting, um, an artist in Germany used a painting from a UK artist um, it, and, and completely used a collage of it. So we used elements of, of that painting and put it into other, with other references. That was considered to be not infringing in Germany. So we're starting to see this and it will be an exciting uh, time right now, I think. Um, thank you, and, and, and thank you for making the link between the input and the output. And, and, and I tend to agree that, you know, for, for people to say, well, every output includes my stuff, so I want, um, is, is probably an exaggeration, but maybe it stems from the lack of transparency and the fact that they don't really understand how it works. You know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, looking at the sausage factory and you don't know how the sausage was made um, mm -hmm. type of thing. So um, yeah, it's probably one of the things that um, transparency debates might alleviate some of those concerns or might make it easier for people to understand mm. which fraction of, of, of their work is, is used or not used. Mm -hmm. And then also coming to your point about uh, Batman and, and Pikachu, it, it's always about context. Obviously, when something gets produced somewhere, is what is it used for? If it's a mom that's printing it out so that her kid can draw uh, or color Pikachu, I guess there's not much of an infringement happening. <laughs> if it's to publicize on the net, it's another question. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, still going to your blogs, and I really encourage everyone to follow the Technolama uh, blog because it's, um, you know, it's it's interesting all the time, and it's 
it just scares you sometimes with the amount of issues that need to be thought about. Um, the final element that I'd like to discuss with you is the question you raised in the title of a September uh, blog post. And that title was, will we ever be able to detect AI usage? And uh, in that blog post, you wonder if that is really the right question to ask and you suggest some alternative questions. So can you clarify your key thoughts? Yes, um, this has me interested. There is a copyright element to this, but also I think it's wider to society. Um, the, the most important thing is that uh, what we're starting to see is first the incorporation of AI tools into almost everything. So now you can find it in search engines, you can find it in all sorts of um, um, office tools, um, now, lots of office tools come with all of this AI. So what's happening is, is, is quite interesting is that with the growth of the use of those tools comes the potential that we don't, you, we cannot de detect the use of AI all the time. And I don't know if you saw, it's become very popular on Twitter. Um, this uh, swirly image, uh, someone used an AI to create a very distinctive swirly artwork. Well, it, it, it's all the rage now in, on, on Twitter um, in, and other social, social media. Uh, and it was interesting that initially some people were saying, oh, this is quite nice. This is quite a nice artwork. And then they realized it was AI and they went like, oh, I don't like it anymore. So th that's a different discussion. But what found interesting is, um, People realized that it was AI just because the artist, the creator, had put it online and had admitted that this was created with AI. So what we are starting to see, which is quite interesting, I, think, I find, is that some of these tools are getting so good that we can no longer recognize when AI has been used. So the that, that creates lots of problems for society in all sorts of ways. So in academia, Everyone is in a, a little bit of panic because when people realize, oh my God, my students are using chat GPT to answer their essays. Um, that's a separate question. But if we cannot recognize the use of artificial intelligence, how can we police um, or, or, or make any requirements that require human only? Mm creations. So for example, copyright would be a good example of this. How do we know when something has been created with AI or not? Mm, most countries do not require registration. So you don't have to go to a copyright office and say, oh, yeah, by the way, I use Midjourney. You, um, copyright, if I create it, it could be just like someone puts a text, uh, someone writes a book. If it's fully done by AI or assisted by AI, how are we going to find out? There is not going to be a, a, an AI police following everyone around. So these are important questions. Do we make a requirement in law that everything that is created with AI has to have a, a, a some form of um, stamp or, or something? We don't know. So so that's, that, that is what I was trying to get at uh, with that. Uh, some are questions that we haven't even begun to answer, but what is society going to look like when you cannot tell if something has been generated by AI or not? Yeah, I think um, AI is certainly raising a lot of 
interesting questions. The funny thing is AI is actually quite old. It's 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 mm. just that I think it's entered the realm of mainstream use. Uh, but for example, my understanding is that AI has been used in music mm -hmm. for a long time. Um, and, and you can, you know, if you see the success of certain songs and certain riffs uh, these days, not much of that is done with fingers and people typing on, on, yeah. on an actual um, um, instrument. A lot of it is done with machines. So yeah. Yeah. we've been we've been shifting to AI slowly, but now it's just in our face, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andres, thank you so much for taking the time to highlight some of your blog posts. As I said to everyone, read him. He's Technolama <laughs> on social media. He's Technolama as a blog post. And uh, I'll continue uh, reading uh, your thoughts and hopefully um, we'll get through this AI thing. <laughs> yes, uh, we'll be uh, doing another buzzword very soon. Very soon. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Andres. Take care. Okay, bye.